Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Ed Leaders, a podcast covering all the interesting ideas about leadership, strategy, culture, and the business K-12 education. I'm your host, Luke Kelly. I'm joining me each week in the chair is my co-host and colleague, Matthew Irving. Today's special guest is Rob Beveridge. Rob's been a professional basketball coach for almost 30 years. He's coached 300 plus games at NBL level, winning multiple championships for the Perth Wildcats. He coached the under-19 men's Australian team to a World Championship gold medal. He's been assistant coach in Australia's men's national program. He's been head coach of the Scottish men's national team. Most recently, he's turned his hand to being an author and just released a book called When Winning Matters. And today, we're going to pick his brain about coaching and leadership and his experience and how we can apply that to leadership and education. So without further ado, let's get to it. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's a real passion of mine to to try and uh, pass on a, a lot of the information that we've learned. Hence why you know, uh, Dr. Stephen Byrne and I wrote the book. It was about our, our um, experiences over the last 25, 30 years of working in high performance and now trying to pass that on to, to all walks of life from, from players to coaches to administration, stuff like that. So thanks for the invite. Thanks for giving me your time. And I, I, I think there's really a lot of you know, parallels between kind of high performance in a sporting organisation, uh, high perform, high performing organisations. And I think, you know, the, the types of schools that we work in, that's what we're really aiming for. And I, and I think that's a really kind of, I think it'll be an interesting kind of parallel between your experiences and where, where we are in terms of educational providers. I thought I'd start by asking a question about kind of your early coaches and leaders in your life and kind of ask you what inspired you in, in what you saw in, in leaders and coaches. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, my background. I, I played junior sport, loved, loved everything. Uh, I was pretty good at soccer uh, and basketball, played representative, but I had to make a decision of what I wanted to do. But uh, my journey started off as a, you know, playing at national level state teams in national championships. Uh, but but I also was very realistic that uh, I was never going to be a professional player. And, you know, I was like a role player all the time. So, you know, when I was at national championships, I may not have played a lot of court time, but I was able to sort of look at the functions of the teams and, and learn, you know, what my job was to do and stuff like that. And my, pa- my passion continued into to coaching where coaching is teaching. You know, to, to me, there's not a whole lot of difference. That or the difference between, oh, you know, I don't teach academics, I teach uh, skill development. But but what I've now realised over probably towards the latter end of my career is uh, coaching isn't about the technical side. Of it. It's a part of it, but there's so much more that you know I can teach skills, I can teach people to get bigger, stronger, faster. But but what I've realised is that sport can actually be used as a means to teach life skills as well. That what I've found uh, you know, it particularly is that a lot, a lot of kids, I have to go to school. You know, they, they, they've got no, you know, it's the law. You know, I mean, some people homeschool, whatever else. But overall, there's a period of your life you have to go. And sometimes, uh, you know, kids rebel. They may not want to be there. It makes it, you know, you've got curriculums you have to follow and stuff like that. But, but what I found is I could actually influence kids through sport because they actually choose to play sport. You know, they don't choose to go to school. They choose to, uh, to, to play a sport that they love. So I can actually teach a lot of life skills through sport, you know, of, of, of discipline, of, of what it takes to be the best. Uh, 
you know, everything from time management through to discipline to, to a lot of those things there that when a teacher tries to discipline, so that they, they could rebel where in sport you can do it different ways. So I really had this passion of, of you know, yeah, I love sport, but I, I use it as a means to, to, to teach life skills uh, on and off the court. And so, Rob, what's interesting about that is, you know, coaches, teacher, um, is that, you know, in, in an educational context, we often talk about coaching um, as that concept of standing beside someone, standing behind someone, and that you're developing their own insights, their life skills, you're developing a sense of agency with them. Whereas if you're a mentor, you are standing in front of them and telling them, this is what you need to do next. This is the, you know, the technical stuff that you need to do and, and the like. Does that kind of create a bit of a sort of a synergy in what you're talking about in terms of coaches, teacher, um, to teach life skills? Oh, 100%. And, uh, it, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about philosophy and stuff like that. But, but you know, as a leader uh, or as a coach, I think coaching leadership is the same thing. You know, but I mean, there's different types of leaders and things like that. I consider myself what we call a servant leader, that my job is to help people fulfil their dreams, their goals and stuff like that and, with, and having my experiences to be able to push people in, in certain directions. And, uh, you know, all people are different. You know, you've got so many different personalities, so many different learning styles and things like that. And what I try and do is try and understand, you know, who they are first and foremost so I can teach them and find out, you know, you know what, what makes them work, how they think, how, how, they, how they can excel. And, and it's, so my job is to help people to achieve uh, both things on and off the court. And uh, that, that's been a real – I think that's been a lot of my success is gaining that trust with, with the athletes, with my, my co-workers and things like that. Uh, to work together rather than butting heads or, you know, trying to, you know, have an ego that I'm bigger or better than you. And I guess that that notion then, um, you know, about getting to know the player. So you talk about servant leadership and, and sometimes we talk about relational leadership. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, in your coaching that the person and the family comes first. And then you often then you can do the sort of technical stuff, but there's a real key focus on the relationship piece first. Um, why is that? What what does that then sort of achieve? So 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 uh, my philosophy is about athlete centred, you know. Or if you look in business, it's about the student. It's about the the product. It's about you have to do everything you can to make that as good as you can. So so my, my it's athlete centred. It's coach driven or it's teach driven. We provide. The, uh, you know, the, the actual expertise, uh, on, on program management or the teaching side of things. And then what we call the ministry supported, which means the bigger picture of whether in sport it's your ownership group, where if it's in education, it's the, the, the education department or it's the principal or it's the board of management, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of synergies there. So in, in sport or high performance sport, it's about the athlete. It's about me running the programs. And when I say me, a group of people. So I build an infrastructure around the 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 the, uh, the athlete to make them successful. And then I have the board. They, they've got to understand that they fund it. They're the resources. They're the people that, that do it. So my job is to build an infrastructure around the athlete or the student. So, you know, I've got everything from assistant coaches to uh, doctors, physio, strength conditioning, uh, e even what we call a, a player welfare 
person that looks for the personal professional development. Uh, so we, it's a whole approach to, to what we actually do with, with the player. And I always go back to it's about the athlete. So when I first meet an athlete or a student, I want to I want to get to know who they are. So if I'm recruiting uh, a player, uh, I can watch video. I, I can see that they've got a good skill set, whatever else. But 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 I, I try and find out what what's their attitude, what's their character. Yeah. You know, uh, so I talk to them about where they're from, their their parents, uh, married, single, background, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it might be. So I actually am interested in who they are. And, and where do they want to go? You know, what, what's their goals? And then based around that, you, know, you can find out if you can actually work with these people. You know, and yeah. it's, that's really important. I think there's a lot of parallels in kind of what you've just described about what you put around the team to support individual athletes. And within a school context, I mean, we have careers and, you know, yeah. school sites and you know, a bunch of other admin support that kind of sits around of the student experience i kind of think that perhaps you know when i'm listening to you talk about that i don't know that we have the same support around that for staff yes and i think that's really interesting like we have a you know hr department which you know in in a lot of contexts not necessarily where, where we are but in a lot of contexts hr is usually where the problems end up not necessarily around the support of of your key people in your organisation. And I guess I'm interested in what you've seen in organisations around supporting people like yourself as the coach or your assistant coaches or, you know, like the CFO or, you know, like you're supporting cast, not just around the athletes, because I think there's really some really parallels there. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because... Uh, yeah, I've always been about how can I make the players better, and, and, and when they see that you're trying to help them and you really like legitimately, you know, care for them, but you want them to be better, they reciprocate to you. So, so it be, uh, you know, it becomes, you know, that's how you can create success. But you're dead right. As a coach, I get next to nothing. Yeah, you know, and, you know, it's like a, that's that's a passion that 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 um, I'm trying to now develop is that where's the support for me? Yeah, and so here I am, and I've worked with different organisations. Yeah, and this is where it's interesting. So, for example, I worked with the New South Wales Institute of Sport for for over ten years, and that's where I probably developed my philosophy that I had an outstanding director. Uh, at, at the Institute of Sport, where th- that was where I developed my philosophy about athletes and coach driven. But we, we'd have monthly meetings, and you'd sit down with the director, and he said, "What do you need? What do you want? How can I help you?" He made it compulsory that every single coach in the organisation. So I think we had twenty six sports. Uh, every two years, you had to do international uh, professional development. You know, and, and so you know. It, they paid for me to, to go to the USA and work with, you know, some great coaches, Mike Krzyzewski and Lou Olsen and Bobby Knight and, you know, these iconic. But then they said, no, no, you've got to go to Europe. So I went and spent time with different clubs in, in, in Spain, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Lithuania, Russia. Now, this went on for years. So over a period, we were required to go overseas and see what other people do. You know, so they forced that upon us and they'd be, okay, we've got some uh, – professional development, we want to tell you, teach you how to use Excel. We're going to teach you how to type. You know, like all these things that 
they constantly did that. Then what I found is when I moved into the MBL, uh, zero. <laughs> my, you know, I, I, you know, I've done 10 plus years in the MBL, but there's this uh, thought process that you're an expert. Oh, yeah, yeah, once you've got there, that's it. Well, I'm telling you right now, you know, we need to have that continued personal professional development and, and I, I got pretty much at zero. So we did everything for the players but nothing for, uh, for for me as the head coach. I didn't get anything. So I was always proactive where I'd do it myself. Yeah. You know, so I'd develop the relationships with, you know, the Rick Charlesworths and the John Walsfolds and we'd meet with them. You know, I, I met with uh, yeah, one of my mentors is a, is a lawyer in a law firm. Like nothing to do with it, but you talk about what they do and whatever else. So I actually took that upon myself. And I think that's a real flaw, uh, particularly, you know, in my field that you know, you know, once you get there, they think that you're it. And you need to, and you're the expert. And uh, I've seen a lot of coaches in particular that fail because they don't have that support network around them. So it's really important for me as, a, as a, the leader of my department, like in the basketball department, it, my job is to empower myself and, to, and help them with whatever they need. You know, so that, that's what I consider myself as a head coach is to make sure that my doctors, physios, everybody, they, what do you need? How can we help you? You know, so I sort of do that within, but, you know, in our sport, uh, you know, probably a lot of sports is we, we don't have it because they think you're the expert. And I, and I imagine that for principals and, you know, and CEOs of organisation, it's probably a, a pretty similar approach. You've got to be proactive about, you know, looking after, you, looking after it for yourself. And, uh, Rob, just interesting there that, you know, clearly over your time you've developed a passion uh, and a philosophy for um, coaching coaches. And, you know, that's an emerging area um, and obviously what we've just discussed is, is so important. What do you think coaches need now more than ever? Um, so I think that the coaches are good at the technical side of teaching skill development. So there's different, to me there's different parts of, of, the, of a program. So you've got your, your skill development, which is us as coaches. You've got uh transmission coaches where you get bigger, stronger, faster, but we, we lack uh, the mental skill development side of things, of teaching teaching about dealing with pressure situations, dealing with boards, dealing with, with rich owners, uh, dealing with like, social media. Like social media is, is, you know, it's evil. You know, like I, you know, I'm really, really anti-social media, but I understand there's a need for it. You know, we can't just shut it off. You know, we got to work with it but we've got to educate people about the social media particularly coaches so because what i'm seeing is that the amount of social media to me is, is a lot to do with bullying and harassment you know so people have a right to be able to sit down and get on the keyboard and absolutely say anything they want to say under false names or, or you know whatever they want to do so we need to be able to educate uh, our, our coaches on how to deal with those type of situations uh you know to, to me, teach about empathy, understanding uh, about the person. You know, like as I said, I've really learned over the, over the years. It's it's not to do with what we call the X's and O's. Everybody wants to, this special play. No, no. You know, I want to know about you know how how can we help the individual, and that 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 comes for us coaches and stuff like that. And in my situation, you know, I've got a very very small inner circle of people that I I, I trust. 
that, you know, I've got a psychologist friend, you know. So uh, coaching leadership becomes, it's, it's lonely. It can be lonely because they think you're the expert and you're judged on, on uh, wins and losses and things like that, where I think it's really important that you have somebody that can keep you level-headed, you know, in the highs and the lows and, and, and somebody that you can talk to. I think that, you know, the coaching, the coaches, that's where I feel my destiny is. And when I say coaching, it, you know, it, it could be across all parallels. You know, that's why we wrote this book about all the different things that you need to look at and to understand how professional sport works or high performance or, you know, education systems work. But, you know, I know that coaches need a lot more work on the what with the soft skills rather than going to a – uh, let's go and watch a clinic or go to a, you know, let, let, let's look at people management, relationships, more of the, the, the psychology teaching, you know, like mental health is a major, major issue in, in high performance sport and particularly during this COVID time, it, it's, it's really bad. You know, everybody talks about COVID, but nobody's talking about the amount of suicides and the amount of pressure that's on, on, on young, young players, students in year 12 with their exams. You know, it's 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 really sad. I mean, just last week, I think there was nine kids that committed suicide. You know, with all the pressures and stuff to do with COVID and 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 study and and where's life going? And it's sad mm-hmm. when you to be able to teach people to be able to deal with those situations. So it's really that concept. So helping coaches um, relate, and it's it's becoming much more of a social dimension and a relational dimension rather than, you know, chasing the next thing um, and you've got to develop this bit of skill and you need to know how how the finances work, et cetera. There's a real strong sense here from you um, that it's about those social skills. It is about developing EQ um, and it is that what I might call an education, that kind of holistic approach um, to, to the person, I guess. Yeah, it's to me the whole thing is it's a whole package and, and, and that comes through experience as well. You know, and, and I find a lot of a lot of people want to climb the corporate ladder way too quick. I think you gotta you gotta serve your apprenticeship, and you know I see that. I mean, I've been you know I'm one of few that's been in the industry for close to thirty years, uh, because I, I served my apprenticeship under great leaders, great mentors. You know, I, I learned the technical side of things, but then you know I go and spend time with. Uh, some of the most elite people, like, you know, for example, Rick Charlesworth, you know, he, he's done it all and on how they think, how they teach, how they communicate, all of those things. But you, you, but then you've got to do it yourself. You know, you've got to, you know, I call, you know, particularly in coaching and sport, it's about plagiarism, about stealing the best ideas of others, taking it on board and applying it into your philosophy. You know, where in academia, unfortunately, if you plagiarise, you can actually, you know, you get in trouble. You know, so it's it's really uh, it's interesting that you know I like to serve my apprenticeship, learn my trade because I see too many people that jump in the deep end and they fail. And it's you know, so it's important that they gain experience through experience uh, through doing lots of different jobs for a period of time. And I, and I guess I'm interested there, Rob, on your views around how you know when you're ready. You know, like, how did you know when you were ready for taking the next step in certain at certain parts of your career? Yeah, it's um, so. That, yeah. What I, uh, you know, in my mindset was, I had to surround myself around great people. Uh, you know, so I left. You know, I worked at the Australian Institute of Sport 
you know, in a really good program with people that put their arm around my shoulder and helped me. Uh, but then I thought, okay, I'm good at this area. I, I need to get better at this area. So I actually moved. That's when my first move to Perth was working with the Perth Wildcats under Adrian Hurley. And uh, about that stage, you know, of course, you know, the shit kicker. I started off at the bottom. I did the water bottles, uh, warm up, strapping, you name it. Like I did everything. I was like, you know, trying to, you know, work my way up the, the, the food chain type stuff. But then when I felt I was confident in that area, that's when I took the next thing. So fast forward, you know, um, I wasn't 30, I was 37 when I got my first NBL job. And before that, I was actually offered a, the Perth Wildcats and Adelaide job. They were high-profile jobs, and I knocked them back because I didn't feel I had the skills to be able to work in that high-pressure environment with expectation of performing and winning. I thought, geez, you know, I, I can't do it. You know, I'm not skilled enough with dealing with media, with with the the. the you know, the sponsors, the fans, you know, get in front of a thousand plus people. You know, I wasn't ready for that. So I actually took the worst job in the league because there was zero expectation. There was no pressure. It allowed me to, uh, to, to you know, nurture the young group, but, but for me to learn that. And then it wasn't until a number of years later that I know I'm ready now for the Perth Wildcats. And I think that's interesting because we often say, you know, ambition's really good. You know, let's let's say that it's it's really good, but you've got to temper that with a level of wisdom. And so, you know, that, that you do need to, to serve a level of apprenticeship. You need to broaden that experience, but you need to harness uh, and, and sort of restrain yourself from that ambition um, and respond wisely. And that's what it sounds like your experience has been. You've just actually gone, no, no, I can still be ambitious, but I just need to restrain myself um, because you you understood that you weren't necessarily ready, and if you don't feel worthy, also you're not going to be successful. It's kind of self awareness yeah. of yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's a massive thing. Emotional intelligence is so important, and self awareness. Know who you are, where you're at, and then I, I go back to when I played, uh, you know, rep basketball. I had a dream of being a professional player, but I'm, I'm six foot one, non-athletic white boy. You know, so you know, I was <laughs> about who I was, but but I had this. You know, I, I I have something that I can do. You know, and you know, here I am, fast forward years later. But but it came down to that your ego as well. I think that's really important. Is you got to leave your ego at the door, and that's what I'm finding by surrounding myself with great coaches. So, as I said, I was lucky enough to go and spend time with Greg Popovich, you know, Mike Krzyzewski. and and when you meet these guys, they're they're superstars. They're the you know some of the biggest coaches in the world. You can go and sit down, and they just they're normal people. They talk to you, and and, and it's and I thought, oh, geez, they're just normal people. Like they, they're not on a pedestal. They don't like being on a pedestal, but they understand that they're in that situation as leaders. So they lead by example. So I sort of looked at what they did, and uh, you know, I think you've got to be humble. You got to leave your ego at the door, uh, and and probably what again I've looked at a lot of former players, like ex players, like high profile players. They, oh, you, you, you were such a great player, you're going to be a great coach. And, I, you know, I sit there and I think over the years I, I watch them come and I watch them go. They've got, the, they've got a great skill set, 
that they've got these mentalities and elite athlete that there's an expectation everybody can do what they can do. And, and it just doesn't work that way. They have to serve their apprenticeship. Then I look at the coaches that have been successful, that were former players, have worked as assistant coaches. Now they've worked in a system and then got into the job. So players that go from being elite into an elite job, I find they fail. You've got to serve your apprenticeship. You've got to serve your time, gain experience, but probably listen to other people. You know, I think that's that's really important. Is you know, I've gone very big into mentors and and hearing what they've got to say and taking it on board. I think that, that, that's really important. I think we saw a lot of that in the AFL kind of going back eight, ten years ago with a couple of big-name players coming out and coming straight into the coaching ranks, and I think there's a better pathway of going through assistant coaching now. I kind of want to go back to the point you made there around egos, and you talked about, like, leaving your own ego at the door and kind of working and understanding that, you know, having the humility to be able to do that is is a good thing as a, as a leader. But I guess I'm interested in the flip side of that in, managing egos of your of your team um, and kind of having, you know, people or play, players or staff that think they know more than you or think they're bigger than you or think they're bigger than the club or, in our case, bigger than the school or the co- corporation. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on managing um, on, on managing people's egos? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things where it's about building the relationship and the, tr- and the trust. Yeah, and, uh, and and I think empowering them and making them feel important that they have ownership of what they do. And, you know, I, I consider myself, um, you know, I want to actually employ people that are great in that position, you know, and, and put them in that position to succeed. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm good at a lot of things, uh, but... I know that you know I you know I employ somebody that is really really good. They're great at that, you know, and you know, I give them the ownership to be able to do that. Now that's from a particularly a staff perspective. That my job is, what do you need? How can I help? Hey, you've got this. You're the expert. You know, for example, uh, when I was working the national program, um, I'm the I'm the one that's cutting up the tape. I'm watching hours until two o'clock in the morning, cutting up, putting scouting reports together. So I'm actually the expert in that area. So I'm the one that should probably present that rather than, you know, the, some coaches are egotistical. I'm the head coach. I'm going to present it where, you know, I, I find, you know, and I did that with Sean Dennis was when he was my assistant coach. He did the scout and said, hey, you're, do, you're, you're going to present it because you know more about this than me. You know, so really it was because if you can actually let them do their job, that's where the trust comes together. On a, on a tangent, uh, what I find with elite athletes are the most selfish, self-centred, arrogant, egotistical people that you can possibly know. <laughs> it's realism because I've been through this for, for such a long time. They're not bad people. They're not bad people at all. But it's just you've got to understand that this is where they are. So what we actually do is when we're trying to find out about you know, who we're actually dealing with, we got to work out what their personalities are. You know, so there's lots of human resource tools like a DISC and the Myers-Briggs uh, testing and things like that. Uh, we did a slightly different one uh, called the BIRD personality test, and it was a bit more fun rather than I think the others are a little bit dry and they give you too much information. So we, we did one, you know, through our psychologist, uh, Jodie McGuire, 
the bird personality. What that is called the DOPE test, D-O-P-E, personality test. And it's a bit of fun. So it's a survey. You go through, you write all your bits and pieces, you know, 20 pages of stuff, and it spits out your personality. So it comes out as everybody's got different personalities. So D stands for dove. So a dove is a soft, fluffy type of uh, of person. And, and O is for owl, which is a wise bird. A peacock is flashy, hey, look at me. You know, it's all about me. They look at the stats. They look at, you know, it's about them. And then you've got the eagle, which is your, your, your grumpy, cranky killer. You know, so we did that to find out who who are you, you know, your personality. And that actually affected my teaching style. So in my team, just say, you know, I've got 12 players, probably eight out of 12 are doves. So if I'm going to yell and scream and, and rant and rave and be a, a, an autocratic coach or teacher saying, you must do it this way, they're going to go into a shell. They're going to become insular and, and you're not going to get the best out of them. And then, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, like an owl is a wise thing. So what they do is they actually, why are we doing this? They're like, why do I have to do that? And a, a coach with an ego or a teacher with an ego is that you don't question me. <laughs> right? And that creates conflict. Now, and then the peacock, it's you know that they want the ball in their hand. They know they want to be the limelight. So you've got to understand they know that. And then, uh, you know, an eagle, the person that, you know, you know you see ball, get ball, they're going to kill you to tell them what they have to do. Don't clash with them. You know, so, you know, they might kick the, kick the ball, throw the towel, yell at a teammate. Sorry, guys. Got cut off. Um, yes, yeah, so, so, so you've got to understand that don't, you know, you've got to know the personality. So that's my job is, as a as teacher leader to understand what I'm working with. And then the next level, which, you know, from a teaching background, how do they learn? Are they visual? Are they audio? Are they, do they, you know, by reading or kinesthetic? So the VARC. You know, so it's really important that my job is to understand who I'm dealing with and get trends and traits and then we can put them in different you know, different situations that I, you know, can mix different groups and I know how they interact. That requires a lot of work, but you're investing in, in that person. So, yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because I think what you're saying is you've got to know your people, yeah. um, you've got to harness their strengths, um, and if you, if you don't do that, you can't then empower them um, and, and have that kind of distributed model of leadership. So knowing, harnessing strengths uh, and then empowering um, is, is kind of the, I guess, the fundamentals in, in which you're talking about in terms of, of being that great coach but that great teacher. Yeah, and, that, and, I, and I do it with my staff because you, you've got to work together. You know, it's as simple as that. And uh, the, the way I find most team chemistry and relationships are is, is you, know, you don't want to be buddy-buddy friendship, but you've got to have respect for each other. Uh, and if I know, you know, you know, like even going in a, a different direction, like it's about, uh, you know, the, the relationships you build, so you, it's through communication, regular meetings. You know, so informal. They don't have to be, oh, let's sit down and blah, blah, just informal. You know, and, and what we do with, you know, like my, my group of people is the first thing I always want to know uh, when, when I meet with somebody is, you know, just so I'm meeting with a player, are you okay? 
Now, how you doing? How's your wife? How's your kids? How's this? How's the family? How's mum, dad? Some, some, you know, like it could be healthy. It could be a whole lot of stuff that can affect that person. And just by, you know, generally asking that person, you know, how are you going? I think that's really important, and particularly in this day and age with COVID. You know, like this, this COVID, I'm more concerned about the, the mental health issues rather than being dying from COVID. That's just my personal opinion. So that's the first thing. But then I'll get into more of the specific, the technical side of things. Okay, you need to work on A, B, and C. You know, do a video review, uh, you know, give that feedback. So you sort of break down the, the barriers of making you feel good, relaxed. Now let's talk about hey, we need to do this. And then the third component is how can I help you? You know, how can we get you better? You know, so so really I do it on a three-tier structure, but I always start off with that. And, and, and also uh, what I like to do is, is make it as informal as possible. So um, I may not actually do it in my office. So I'm the head coach, come in the office, sit down, let's talk. That sometimes you get your barriers up, your, your, your things like that. Like, you know, a school principal, you know, you're the boss, come into my office and think, oh, geez, what have I done? <laughs> oh, trouble type of thing. So you, 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 it screws with your mind. So I might say, hey, let's catch up after practice just in the stadium. Let's, let's go down, the, down a cafe. You know, even with older people, uh, you know, they might like to have a wine. Let's go and have a wine together, mate, and, and just chat with that person. And, and I just find that develops a real good relationship. Rather than I think, constant formality. I think um, what we tend to do, I think, is just skip to the middle part. You know, we skip the relationship part. We go straight to the transactional. Here's what's coming up. Here's what we need to do. And then we miss the bit about what do you need from me? Yeah. You know, and so often it's kind of just the transactional piece in the middle. And I think there's a lot to be learned from your little kind of framework there around relationship first and then later how can I help? How can I help you be better? How can I help you kind of succeed where you want to go to next? Yeah, and that, that's that's you know things that you know I've learnt from watching uh you know Greg Popovich, you know, with the San Antonio Spurs, his relationships with the players. You know, and that, that sort of comes down to uh the way he treats his players, that they have so much respect that there's no issues. And, and, and like he, he's got an incredible relationship with his most senior staff, or if you want to look at ma- middle management. So yeah, he's, he's senior management, but middle management's are your players as well. Like they're your, your teachers, and, and getting them to. Look, so I, you know, I don't have to actually go and jump on somebody for doing the wrong thing because it's peer group pressure as well. So when you've got a really good group of people that feel comfortable, they feel good about themselves, and there's somebody out there that, you know, is a pain in the backside, that just takes care of itself. Because if you've got five people that are great and you've got one bad egg, basically they surround it and get rid of that, that, that rubbish. So that's sort of a, a bit of a philosophy we try and do is empower those people you know, as, as leaders. And when we talk about leaders, you know, you might, may have heard me speak about that you've got, a, you've got verbal, nonverbal, you've got different leadership styles, but, you know, I've got people that, um, you know, some people think that our oh, leadership's the person that's got to sit up and make the speech. They've got to do that. But you can actually have nonverbal leaders that don't, that can't get in front of public, they can't do that, but what they do through action, you know, their, their work ethic, you know, they, they're, they're first there, they're last to leave, they're meticulous with everything they do. 
you know, everything is spot on. It's it's perfect. And I, and I think that's very visible in a sporting context. It's more challenging for people to see that type of leadership in a in a corporate organization, I think, because it's a little more hidden, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. That does make it a lot more difficult. But I think that's where you need to have probably a lot more awareness from the management that you actually do see that person. Geez, their their work's pretty good quality. Mm. You know, they, they they don't have to beat the the you know the chest to say, "Hey, look at me, look at me." You know, they they, they do their job to a very high level and stuff. And like sometimes that. they're the people that also get missed because they're just getting on with it and doing their thing rather than. You know, they're either they're not saying, "I'm oh, look at me," or they're not causing a problem. They're just kind of, yeah. And I, and I think that's that notion of influencing from the sidelines, mm. leading from the sidelines. Um, I think that's the interesting notion about that. Yeah, and uh, just a simple thing, like th- those people, they they don't want to be a, they don't want to be the 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 out there leader, but they're a leader in action and stuff like that. And just the simple things of hey. What a great job. You know, that's awesome. Send, send, sending a, a, an email or a text and saying, oh, fantastic job, well done. That's it. You know, that, it's good for your ego. I think that, you know, as personalities, as human beings, we we like affirmation. Yep. You know, and it's not difficult. And then, you know, I've worked in organisation that, that I have leaders that are narcissists. You know, it's 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 me. I've done this. I've done that. It put people down to feel powerful. You, you know, and they're generally organisations that are unsuccessful. You know, so it's the thing I've worked with really good organisations. Hey, what can I do? Great job, fantastic. Feel good about yourself. You're successful. And then you got other. Oh, that's not good enough. You know, I did this. I did that. It's my coach. My this. My that. And oh, that's an unsuccessful team. You know, so mm-hmm. that's where there's correlations. And it sounds like, Rob, as you describe, um, you know, these different elements of leadership um, and their impact, we're really talking about culture and setting up the right culture, the right health of culture, um, so that the team can flourish, but every individual can flourish. Uh, and I think that's really interesting that that in that, that broader sense of creating that healthy culture, everyone has a role to play and it's the coach's role to kind of bring all those threads together um, so that the team can flourish more broad. Uh, how does that sit with you? Culture is uh, one of the biggest keys of all. You know, that, that's, that's a big component of, of our book because I've worked with uh, positive cultures, uh, healthy, positive, healthy, and I've worked with toxic cultures. And it, it, it's really, you know, it's, it, it's hard work. As I said, it's about the affirmation. It's about feeling good about yourself. It's, a, it's about... It being empowered and allowed to do the job to your best ability, and that's what you see with the great organisations. They look after their people. They're people-orientated organisations to ensure that they can play do play their strengths, and that comes down to roles and responsibilities. So I'm good at something, but but I'm not good at that. You know, so you, in, again, you leave your ego at the door, and then you know the the, the culture to me is the environment. Now, we go, what's culture? And, you know, I can say it's the environment in which you're in. If it's a positive thing, you, you look forward to getting up to work uh, each day. Uh, a negative one is, you know, the fear of going to work, you know, the, the water cooler 
conversations and the whinging and and carrying on and stuff like that. You know, those little poison or cancer cells, they just grow and, and, and they fail. Uh, lack of communication, lack of, you know, again, it's called affirmation, like you don't get any reward for anything. And, and what I find with the majority of people that leave their jobs, uh, they're, they're not leaving the organisation, they're leaving the, the, the person, you know, your direct boss or, you know, the management, the way they do things. And, you know, I, you know, I, I have in sport a lot of the time, you know, I've been with a smaller team where, We've we've lost players to rich clubs, so the perception is that oh yeah they got you know money talked, nothing to do with money at all. It's the environment. They want to be paid on time. They want to have medical stuff. They want to have personal professional development. You know, so some organisations cover their education costs to go to university. They help with transitioning. They help with all those things that happened when I was work, you know, working in really good organisations. Uh, that comes with the successful teams that happen to make more money. So the money comes with it, but, to, but, but I've had plenty of players that have left not because that they want to stay. They love, they love the team. They love that. But as I said, if you don't get paid... You know, you know, the club's going to liquidation. They don't treat you know you you well. You don't have medical. You don't have food. You don't have all these things. Why 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 stay? That's why people actually leave because of the culture, rather than the actual team, you know, or the coach or whatever else. It does happen. You know, you might have a bad coach. You know, you leave. There's no question. But I just find that that's where the majority of things have broken down. And I don't think that that part of the narrative often gets discussed. Uh, people like to kind of leave that discussion about culture kind of behind them and just talk about, you know, the new opportunity and media in particular in sport. We'll talk about it's the dollars, but, you know, the, the, the underlying culture is so important as to why people might want to stay or go. Yeah, and, I mean, my wife's a teacher and, you know, she's worked in all different systems and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the current school she's at, uh, she, she, she's really happy. You know, she's been where, you know, at another school it was like a drag and whatever else. But right now, like two days a week, you know, they have yoga or med- they teach meditation. You know, on a Friday, you know, they, you know before school the principal organises uh, free coffee at one of the cafes that's next to the school. You know, just those little things, you know. And, you know, oh, let, let's have a get-together Friday afternoon for a drinks in the staff room. You know, just little things like that. You know, that, that that means a lot. You know, on somebody's birthday party and it's throughout the whole email system, make sure you wish happy birthday. And, you know, like, you know, I've been to school assemblies and just the, the enthusiasm, passion of the, the leader and the kids love them. You know, you look at the year leaders, you know, the kids love them because they're good people, they make it fun. You know, it's, it, to me, that I mean, that's a real positive culture. Yeah. And is there a synergy here, Rob, with, with some of your writing about, you know, when winning the championship's not important, you know, there's there's actually some other fundamentals that you need to take care of. Is is there a synergy in, in that kind of thought? Yeah, it's it's so difficult to win, you know. Like when people look at oh, you have to win the championship, so if you've got 10 teams, you've got nine losers. You know, it's as simple as that. So everybody can't win. So it's very, very difficult to win. Uh, so, so to me, it's how you look at it. You know, what what does winning actually mean? You know, is it financial? Because, for example, the Sydney Kings, they, they won three championships in a row and folded. 
because they spent so much money that they couldn't sustain it, you know. And then you have other other teams that continual that they they know what they have to do to, to you know profit margin or whatever else, and that's a win. Like the club exists, like it's sustainable. So that that could be a win. A win for me could be when they finish playing their careers that they will move into to a, to a job. You know that they, they, they become better, so they start at point A, and by the time you leave, you, you, there's a legacy that you've left. To me, that's that's winning. You know, so to to me, it's very subjective with what actually winning is. Now, I think in a school system, it's you know coming out of the system there, they're prepared for for life. You know, for for university and feeling you know confident about themselves and know that they've had a great support network. Rather than the outcome, we've got to be the number one academic school. You know, to me, that's a bit of a, that's an ego. That's you know, ego. You know, you know. I look at coaches that they 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 may not win championships, but you know, I look at the college system and they go ninety five percent of their students have graduated. You know, so they've done their four years of unit ninety five percent, and they've gone on. And then I look at other coaches, you know, call them one and done players. So they play one one year at, at college and then they're gone. You know, so it's constantly turning over and it becomes a meat market. You know, it becomes, you know, you, 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 it actually, you know, you, these people pay, pay people to come here and things like that. So, again, it's what your values are, you know, what's your vision, what's your mission, what, what are you actually trying to uh, provide you know, for that, that, that athlete or student? You know, what's it about? Is it being the number one academic school or is it getting 90% of your students ready for life it's 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 an interesting one yeah and i think even more uh, i guess minute than that is like there's different wins for different kids well yeah so um i kind of wanted to touch on something that i've heard you talk about in another interview around um burnout i think there's some synergies there for coaches uh head coaches of sport uh and that kind of intense kind of scrutiny that you kind of get in that role and kind of the scrutiny that you get in a role as a principal or leader at a school and kind of the pressures that you face on a constant day-by-day basis with, you know, having a 1,000 or 2,000 stakeholders that all believe that, you know, their child is the the number one thing, which is quite rightly so. So I just wanted to kind of, I guess, get your thoughts on, you know, how, you know, that pressure takes its toll over time and and how you deal with that and, and know when maybe it's time to... To, to have a little bit of a break or to, to turn things back a bit. Yeah, it's um, again what I, I mentioned before was that we, we, you know, from an MBL perspective, you know, you get chewed up and spat out. You know, like we we burn out, and that that's that's what happened to me last year. So eighteen months ago, I just had enough. I was working in a toxic environment. Turning up to work every single day was hard work. But the expectation is when you're the least resource team in the league, the expectation is you're going to win. You know, and it's it just doesn't happen that way. And so there was a lot of lot of pressure, particularly from the top. But there was no support for me. You know, it was constant, and that's what I thought. That's a flaw in our system is that we we have to start protecting. Uh, the, the, the coaches, the leaders, you know, we've got to put people around them. So, you know, you know I've got a very, very small uh, inner circle of people and one of them happens to be a psychologist, you know. So I've got somebody that, can, you know, my, my family, uh, you know, my wife and kids keep me grounded. 
and things like that. And one of the pressures that, you know, I was talking about social media, that a lot of the time, you know, I, I might get, you know, I get abused and my family gets abused on social media. So I've got to try and get them off social media. Don't read these forums. Don't read this. You know, block these people. You know, don't listen to that. Don't be around naysayers. You know, I, I think you've got to remove yourself and and and, uh, and speak to people in your inner circle that you completely trust. And you know, I, I mean, I have conversations with high level coaches. You know, I've had it with you know, for example, Rick Charles in the past said, "Hey, I've got this issue." Blah blah blah, and he goes, "Mate, maybe it's time to move." You know, so you've got advice of somebody that you respect and trust to get out of it. You need a break. And that's what I've done. I just said, you know what, I've done this for such a long time. It became like Groundhog Day. It's good, it's sexy and all the travel, but no, it's not. It becomes lonely and we've got to put a support network around everybody. You know, there needs to be something, whether, you know, you're the head of department or, you know, just any teacher, and that comes down to that philosophy of asking those three things about, you know, are you okay? There you go. Because that doesn't actually happen a lot of the time, you know. So I think that's what we need to do because the burnout, it, it, it's there. Uh, you, you, you look at the stuff that uh, like five NRL coaches over 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 in here have been fired this year, five. Why would you want to be a coach? Why would you to have four to five hundred negative comments on social media about oh you're you, you know you're a grub you're a pig you're this you're that blah 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 it affects everybody it affects your family your wife and that is flat out bullying yeah but that's where I you know I say social media is evil so five coaches have been fired they've been dragged through the media they've been dragged through all this stuff and, and it's just half of it's just not true but then I look at you know AFL Danny Frawley committed suicide. You know, the pressures that happens and the mental health issues that that, that are there for people, you know, Dean Laidley, you know, he, he got stalked or whatever else and they see him dressed up as a, as a woman. And he was, mate, because he's chased by the paper, you know, there's always two sides to the thing, but you only get that. So it's very, very uh, difficult. It's a dangerous situation for a lot of leaders out there that we, you, you, you gotta, we've got to be able to strip it back a bit and, get, and probably educate a lot. Lot, lot of people about the effects of uh, social media and how and uh, you know what it could do not only to the to the leader but the family. Like it's it's bigger. There's not there's more than one victim. I think um, you know the parallels are there for principals and statistics show that you know it's a very short lease of life for principals. And um, you know I think what you're saying there is really it's so important to have that team around you that you can trust. But you know you've got to. Get that yourself, I think. You know, bring that yourself, Matt. Yeah, yeah I just think it's – I think probably that, you know, as we close out our, our show today um, is to, you know, what we've just been discussing is, I guess, top tips um, for, for coaches, top tips for leaders. And, and you know, that, that last comment, um, you know, about staying off social media and being able to, you know, filter some of those, th- those things is, I guess, part of that. So – as we sort of capture this together, what might be those three big top tips that you would give coaches and leaders out there? Yeah, um, there you go, self-awareness. Know where you're at. Don't, don't do something that you can't. Ask for help, you know. You know, I think that's really, really important. And, and that's, that, I think that gives you credibility as a leader. You know, for me to ask my assistant coach, to ask my physio, what do you think? Ask my senior players, 
you know, I, to, I think to say, hey, you know, I'm not the, you know, it's not all about me. I think that that's that's really important is the emotional intelligence and self awareness. Uh, I think that the second thing is um, athlete coach relationship, i.e., staff, you know, boss relationship. I think it's really really important. Uh, getting to know who they are, how they think. Some people, oh, yeah, they're a head case, or oh, they don't listen. Well, no, no, it's not that they don't listen. They learn a different way. So we've got to know, you know, their personalities. You know, are they interested how they learn? I think that's important is that that relationship. And then the third, which, uh, you know, we sort of finished off with uh, having a, an inner circle around you that are going to be honest to you and that you can trust. Don't get too big. Don't listen to everybody. Don't hang around the naysayers. So I think they're probably the three things that, uh, you know, I, I could probably you know, emphasise. Rob, I just uh, really want to say thank you for coming on the show. I think you've been you know, absolutely wonderful. Thank you for giving up your time and the insights you've been able to give the audience have been, you know, really, 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 really interesting. Um, please uh, let us know, let the audience know where what the book's called and where they can buy it. Yeah, so, so the, the book's called When Winning Matters. So it's, it's by myself and Dr. Steve Bird, who's a professor at university. So there's a, a lot of good stuff there on, on, on real life things. And there's a little bit of, you know, background from academia and how it all works and experiences and stuff. So we've set up, uh, it, it, you can buy it through Amazon. You know, so it's it's on Amazon there. Uh, but what we prefer, you know, is to, to go directly through us. So we've got a, a Facebook page. It's you know, I'm talking about, but I'm anti-social media. But the thing is, I understand that that's how how we do it. So we've got a, a Facebook page with about two and a half thousand members, where we continue to talk about leadership and talk about different topics and stuff like that. So there's a link on the When Winning Matters Facebook page, and uh, yeah, so so that that's probably the best way, and you can. Yeah, basically order through there and uh you know we we, we we get the books out to everybody and and we've just started the process now of, of trying to get this into the education system for for students you know for athletes coaches students administrators you know because there's a, a lot of good gems you know on on life life skills so it's not a basketball book you know a lot of people think oh, i'm a basketball coach it's actually not you know, it's to do with a you know a bigger picture and a lot of the stuff we discussed today all right. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time. Um, that brings to an end to our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed our little chat about leadership with Rob. Uh, please remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show and uh, please don't forget to share the love and tell a few of your colleagues that you've listened to this uh, great podcast called Ed Leaders. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. Go well.